Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for listening. This week, we are looking at... The Hobbit, specifically the first Hobbit film, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. The reason that we're doing this is because the book of The Hobbit is turning 80 years old. Yes, Uh, you can hear some distant oohs in the background. They are our two guests, uh, one who has seen the first Hobbit film and one who has not. Uh, Our guest who has seen the first Hobbit film and is our resident Tolkien expert, it's Sarah Curtis, everybody. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Uh, now, just before we get into it properly, Sarah, it's been a while since you've been on. It has. Uh, it's been about three months. Uh, how is the PhD going? It is existing somewhere in my head. Yep, it's happening. Okay, because last, last week, uh, fellow uh, PhD candidate Ellen Sears said that you were winning the PhD race between you and her. Is that is that a fair assessment? That is definitely a fair assessment. I've sent stuff in i have at least one chapter that you know looks like a chapter so there's that all right but uh, on the uh, doctor countdown clock how long until we can refer to you as doctor that depends on the markers but i'm gonna submit in like a month and a half two months yay okay well fingers crossed and uh, you quite like uh, anything tolkien based i think is the fairest way to put this. yeah that's a fair assessment okay and obviously that includes the hobbit well, it could. It could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was the first one that I, you know, as most people did in their childhood, came across. Right. Excellent. Well, we'll get on to uh, the book itself a little later on, uh, because I should introduce our other guest, uh, who hasn't seen The Hobbit. It's Mr. Patrick Downs. Welcome Hi. back. Hi. Hey, Steve. I should just say, get this out of the way, I'm not doing a PhD, so am I allowed to... Yeah, you're allowed. Am I qualified to be on the podcast? <laughs> we welcome all sorts here. Oh, great. Yeah, it's Even just... uneducated. We don't discriminate. Like, yeah. And just for the folks at home, uh, Patrick, uh, what do you do? I'm a student, actor, theatre maker. Yeah. Cool. All right, so The Hobbit. Uh, you haven't seen The Hobbit, Patrick. No, well, okay. A thought occurred to me on the way down here. Yeah. Because there are three of these movies, right? Yeah. Does this one have a dragon in it? <laughs> Technically, Spoilers. technically they all do, but this one has the least dragon. Okay, so I, I haven't seen this one. Okay, but you've seen one of the later I ones. I have seen one. Well, I mean, I worked at a cinema for a while, mm-hmm. and an outdoor cinema, and it was definitely on mm. while I was working. And it was very definitely... There was, was a lot of dragon in it. Okay, there's virtually no dragon, so... Um, you should be okay. This this should okay. be one that you haven't right. seen. Definitely. I didn't know you used to work in a cinema, though. Well, I worked at an outdoor cinema for... One, one, one summer. Right. Yep. Well, cool. A very boring story. There's nothing more to it than that. <laughs> mm, that's fair. Well, it obviously wasn't the summer of 2012, which is when this film was released, and is about a reluctant hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, who sets out 
to go to the Lonely Mountain with a spirited group of dwarves to reclaim their mountain home and the gold within it from the dragon, Smaug. Is that a fair uh, one-sentence summary? Well, I wouldn't call him a reluctant hobbit because he likes being a hobbit. He's more of a reluctant adventurer, a reluctant burglar. Who just happens to be a hobbit. Yeah. Excellent. Um, What do you remember about this film, Sarah? Well, I've seen it quite a few times Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, big in the fandom. Mm -hmm. Um, Last time I saw it was only a couple of months ago. So it's a fair assessment to say I could quote most of it. Excellent. And uh, we are watching standard edition, not extended edition. (sighs) Weak. Well, the standard edition is... Over three hours, including credits. Oh so. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the credits are like 20 minutes long. We're fine. Okay. <laughs> so it's only a two and a half hour thing. Okay. All right. You ready? Stick with I'm, it. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm here now. Okay. If you're here, you can't just go home. <laughs> no. It's fine. All right. Well, I, I think we should just jump straight into it. So uh, are you guys it. you guys ready? Let's get a hobbit on, guys. All right, guys. Uh, please grab your, um, your toques and your um, brandy buckles. Uh, and your proud, I hate you. <laughs> and your and your proud foots. Proud feet. Thank you. As we prepare and to watch Gandalf, right? Yeah. Right, guys. Gandalf <laughs> is a thing. Yeah, he's like the headmaster of that school, right? Yeah. Yeah. As we watch The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey. Didn't expect that. Right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> 17 years later. Yes. The sun has set. <laughs> yes, uh, we have finished watching The Hobbit, an unexpectedly long time, I mean journey. Uh, I'm joined again by Mr. Patrick Downs. Hi. And uh, soon to be Dr. Sarah Curtis. Yep. So, guys, um, probably start with you, Patrick, as that was your first time. Sure. What did you think of The Hobbit? I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Mm. Um I don't have a particularly strong fandom of Tolkien or Tolkien, which is the Actually, yeah, which is it, Sarah? Uh, well, my accent is actually really horrid, so I always say it slightly wrong, so don't look at me. Okay. okay. You don't know what you're talking about? No, I do not. How I do not gonna... know what I'm talking about. Well, I'll just keep on talking. Um, <laughs> but it's very Germanic, but, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't have a particularly strong uh, fandom of, of his work, but having said so, and I say that, because I'm sure we're going to get into everything that's wrong with it, looking at Sarah. Mm. But for me, someone who went into it fairly fresh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was mm. way too long. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't even the extended version. <laughs> well, yikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I did I did actually really enjoy it. I thought it was, it was good fun. Mm. And Sarah, uh, re-watching it for the, um, however, so, sorry, a moth just flew away from me. I've just told it to go fetch an eagle to pick me <laughs> go up. Go away, you hear? <laughs> it literally just flew off my head. I don't know what it was doing. At least there. you didn't sort of cup it and look like you're about to make out. Yeah, with go. Because ah. you're actually gloin, you know, inhaling them in your sleep. Yes. Yeah. Um. Sorry. We'll try that again, Sarah. <laughs> you uh, have obviously rewatched this for yet another time. Yes. Uh, where, where does it sit in the uh, the pantheon of Peter Jackson New Zealand tourist adverts that are the Middle Earth films? Well, yeah, it's a pretty good advert. Mm. Um, it has some very good scenery shots. Um, but uh, I actually find it interesting watching these films with people rather than on my own because obviously back when I watched them originally, it was fantastic and brilliant. I loved everything about them. And then since then, I tend to watch them on my own when I'm sick or need to have something on in the background that I don't have to really pay attention to. So watching them with you guys sort of made it seem like I was seeing it for the first time again. So all the jokes were, you know, slightly funny again. Mm. And slightly fresh, I guess, seeing okay. them through your eyes. 
yeah, I mean, for me, I really... I, I probably this is the one that I enjoy the most of the three Hobbit films. Uh, I, th- right. I think there is a sliding scale of mm. of quality. I um, will agree. <laughs> the, the first, and to be honest, the second one is actually pretty good as well. I think this one is slightly better because it's more well rounded as its own standalone story. Well, this right, one okay. also is more based in the books mm. and the reality there. I mean, the second one you've got the majority of it, and as long as you ignore the last twenty minutes, you're fine. Mm. Or the uh, Lake Town rescue business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well mm. uh but yeah the um but yeah it's enjoyable the third one is dreadful just just pointing it out there i mean I, we, we may end up doing the other hobbit films at some point but um the third one i just did not enjoy at all look i've got a little bit of a rant yeah and for all of those issues that we have with the rest of the hobbit films mm. especially the third gonna film get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to do the truncated version i swear <laughs> But basically, um, there was this huge problem with the producers. They'd just been um, having some lawsuits with the Tolkien estate, um, so they'd only um, been able to start shooting at a certain time, by which point Guillermo uh, del Toro had quit. Yeah, because he was the original director. He was originally supposed Mm. to be the director. That would have been cool. Mm. Yeah, and you get a lot of the interesting creatures from him and uh, a lot of concept stuff from him. But the problem was that when he left and they finally convinced Peter Jackson to do it, they didn't give him any prep time. Mm. That he had to use right. what was already there. He couldn't go. He didn't get like. We just found out that Star Wars. They've just you know changed directors again for the next film. Oh, for Episode Nine. For Episode Nine, mm. and they've now extended the release date another six months, which is what you do when you change directors yes, yeah. because you give them time. They didn't do that to Peter Jackson, mm. so he had to literally go into straight into shooting with about three weeks of prep time, mm. and then he got really ill with what actually ended up killing Professor Tolkien with um, burst ulcers in his stomach and had to go to hospital, and he lost time there as well. Mm. So there are a few issues there with it being a really short pre-production stage. Mm. And then when they sent all the footage off to the producers, they were like, yeah, I don't know. I think we need more action sequences and love triangles here. And everyone was like, really? You're kidding me? And they're like, yeah. I don't think we can, you know, release them without this stuff. So, of course, Peter Jackson's like, well, I guess we're going to have to do it then. Hmm. So all that extra stuff in the second one, the last 20 minutes with the dragon, that was all added and the actors had no idea what was going on Hmm. because it was added by the producers. So the whole third film was, yeah. So so with this this first film, though, is this is the reason why, at least for me, um, I think it's probably the most well-rounded. Is that because it was the one that was least uh, affected by these changes? Yeah, absolutely. Right. it was able to stick closer to the books um, because, you know, it, when they did the first film, it was only supposed to be two films. Mm. And it is interesting you say books when it is... It is one book. It's one book. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know... I mean, this... they did put in unfinished tales and all mm. of that and some brilliant. Yeah, but, but it is meant to be, you know, a relatively short book that yeah. just bloated out. Um, so, we took notes as the film went. Um, well, it, I didn't, but... Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you were enjoying it for the first oh, time. Oh, just watching yeah, it. It's yeah. fine, yeah. He took mental notes. It's all good. Um, Ian Holm, back as Bilbo. Elijah Wood, back as Frodo. It's just nice seeing them running around doing that yeah, thing. Yeah, I didn't know uh, Elijah was going to make a make mm. an appearance. So. He still looked... Like he was a 12-year-old. I mean, um, he always looks like he's a 12-year-old. Yeah, he, he's got Leonardo DiCaprio disease. He'll look <laughs> like a 12-year-old till the day he dies. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he turned 18 on the original set, and now he's in his 30s. Hmm. So you I know. didn't realise he was that young when they did Ooh, the original. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, was, he was tiny. He was I a mean, baby. Yeah, obviously, he was very young in Back to the Future too. but other, <laughs> <laughs> other than that, yeah. Okay, wow, good stuff. Um, but yeah, it was nice seeing them, and I, I think the thing that um, struck 
struck me rewatching it, and you made mention of this, Patrick, is the visuals just throughout the film. Yeah, but particularly yeah. in that opening scene where we're in Erebor, the Dwarven Kingdom. It's... Yeah, that was really cool. That bit where where Bilbo is sort of setting up the story for us, you know, kind of the first part part of the bookend. I would, you know, mm. where we're kind of panning through the Dwarven Kingdom and mm. all that stuff. And it, it, the design and the cinematography is very, very cool. Mm. It does look great. Yes, and then it of course we see fantastic. we see. We see the Dwarf King, uh, he finds the um, the Arkenstone, or uh, the day-affected Nethersite, for any fans of Final Fantasy XII. Um, it looks exactly the same. It's it's a very specific reference, but I enjoyed it. Um, and, then, and, th- and that's all that matters. It, yeah, it's all for you. We're happy well, for you. It is my podcast. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there we have the attack of Smaug. Uh, we... we I mean, we see the attack. We don't actually see Smaug, um, no. which is, you know, good and threatening and sets something up for the second film, but also reportedly it was because they hadn't finalised the design of what Smaug was going to look like. They didn't oh. have time. Yeah. You know, that would have been pre-production and they had no pre-production. So that's why... I was why just thinking you need a Night King. Um, <laughs> get a Night King on that dragon. Yeah, now, now that is an interesting thing because obviously subsequent to these films we've had uh, more dragons appearing specifically within Game so of Thrones. And... I mean, we don't see a lot of the dragon in this one, but it, it, it felt just slightly naff as compared to stuff that we've seen with dragons in Game of Thrones. I think that, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. How do you mean? The dragons in Game of Thrones genuinely unsettle me um, right. in the way that they attack things, like in a cool way where I'm like, oh, that is absolutely terrifying. Whereas what they were doing in this, I, I suppose it's part, and it could partly be because of the way they filmed this with the um, the increased uh, yeah, frame rate. I would also it, say it's probably a ratings thing as yeah. well. It's got to yeah, be accessible. Yeah. Like, you know, if, we, if we're talking Game of Thrones dragon attacks mm-hmm. to Hobbit dragon attacks, yeah. you know, the, the target market is... Well, is yeah, and different. I, I target do, market is a bit more narrow for Game of Thrones, so we can be a bit more horrific. I, I suppose, but at the same time, like I, I know uh, this film is PG thirteen, and obviously there's there's not as much blood. There's a lot of decapitations for It'll, a film. Considering it's, there's not much blood, mm. there's a lot of decapitations. Yeah. It's kid friendly decapitations, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I suppose it was all well, except for the uh, the dwarf king. It was all orcs that were decapitated, and a lot of it was off screen. Like you see them holding the head, but you don't really see them yeah. being decapitated, except for that one orc in um, the Misty Mountains. There's quite a few in the Misty yeah. Mountains. Then they're running around. You just see these heads rolling off. And like there's a bit where Gandalf cuts it through and then just taps the, the head off the so orc. That's entertaining decapitation, Stephen. Mm. That's yeah, for that's the 13-year-olds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we see um, the Elf King, whose uh, name is probably like Flingbomb or what was it? Flandri- Thranduil. Th- Thranduil? Yeah. Okay, Thranduil. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, and Thrand he, will if Thrand won't. Well, he Thrand didn't because um, <laughs> because he was there on top of his giant moose, uh, looking down on the battlefield and just turned the elves around and yep. gave him uh, what you called a dick move. Patrick. Well, no, you know what? If I was that guy, if I was if I was if I was Thand- Thandil, Thandril, whatever, Thranduil. if I was if I was moose guy, yeah, I'd be like, nah. Also, there is I'm some not backstory. Going, I'm not going after that dragon. <laughs> there is some backstory Can there. you do it in 30 seconds? Oh, okay, I'll try. Basically, <laughs> back in the day, there were lots of dragons, and they were the enemies of the elves, and Thranduil's people were attacked and destroyed by these dragons, including him personally. He lost a lot of family members. He has a thing against dragons. Okay, yeah, it was under 30 seconds. Well done. Great. And I can understand him going, mm, actually, no, thank you. And they go into that slightly in um, the second film when he goes, oh, dragon fire, and has this weird facial expression thing going on mm. you know, when we get there. Cool. Uh, and then, of course, we skip to the um, 
we skip back to Hobbiton and then we go back in time in Hobbiton to 60 years previously, mm. uh, where we see a young Bilbo Baggins, as played by Martin Freeman, um, who is probably the most Bilbo-y Bilbo that could ever Bilbo, I he think. He doesn't even have to act. He's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, there. He's just naturally Bilbo Baggins. Mm. Um, yeah. There's a scene where they kind of, and it was it was the sort of transition scene with Ian Holm and then into him just sitting on his outside bench with his pipe. Just and I was just watching that going like, yeah, man, that's the that's the life right there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah. live in Hobbitville, mm. just smoking my stupidly long pipe. Uh, Sarah, I believe you wanted to say the word Hobbit in there. Yes, I did. That's, I held my tongue. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, Hobbitville is just actually Isn't... just a few few uh, suburbs down from Hobbiton. <laughs> Yeah, that's where the Saxville Bagginses live. Ooh, we, don't, we don't like them. Um, yeah, the yeah, and we see, we have the first meeting with uh, with Gandalf the Grey and Bilbo Baggins uh, in the film, and Gandalf basically says, "Hmm, you still live here, right? Good. I'm going to send a whole bunch of dwarf squatters and not tell oh, you." Oh, those dwarfs! Now this this was fun. So uh, the 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 dwarves turn up. We start off with a. I'm really bad with the names. Graham McTavish's dwarf, Dwalin, uh, um, who is the the big bruising one who eats his fish, yeah. uh, and then we have uh, Barlin turn up, mm-hmm. um, soon to die. Spoilers. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if by soon you mean in sixty years, yeah, some point, some point, approximately, b- some point between here and the Fellowship, he gets a tomb with a cave troll. That that's basically <laughs> yeah what happens with him, uh, and then you get um, the hot one turns up, Aiden turn, hot hot dwarfs, hot, yeah, yeah, hot dwarf and hot dwarf brother, yep. Uh, and then you get a whole bunch of others. Uh, you essentially get and the rest all turn up, uh, eat all of Bilbo's food, and we're generally just quite rude. And this annoyed you a bit, Patrick. You, these these <laughs> these dwarves, they really got to me, these dwarves. Because they just roll up into his house, start eating, like just totally barge in. Not even like, hey, we're here because of X, Y, and Z. Just barge in, mm. eat his food. Just act like dicks. Well, probably, no, here's, here's my theory. They don't have any homes, so they don't know how to behave in real homes. Mm. It's really sad. They are, they are essentially um, refugees. Yeah. They've been and have been for a long time. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I think it's time that we turn the dwarves back, turn back the dwarves. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't even finish that. <laughs> are, wow. you, are you suggesting a Donald Trump type hobbit could have appeared? Yeah, we're going to build a dwarf wall. Doesn't need to be very high. The Shire technically (laughs) six feet. Gonna be it's gonna be six foot tall. (laughs) It's gonna be the best dwarf wall. And I'm gonna make Dane pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But the Shire is actually protected when Aragorn becomes king. He um does say that no one can enter the land um, of the Shire without permission from the hobbits. So he doesn't even go into it. Fair enough. Even though he's the Um, king. Cool. Well well done. Well done, Aragorn. Cool. Uh, and there was a particular dwarf that stood out for you. Bomber. <laughs> Look, I didn't even realise he had a name. I yeah. just thought he was fat shit. <laughs> oh, man. I hated this dwarf. Mm. I hated this dwarf, man. What? He, what did it? What What did it to make you hate him? He was just gross. Well, he was gross. Mm-hmm. And he was just useless. He's just fat and he's got a dumb rope beard tash thing <laughs> that loops around his face. And a stupid punchable nose. Oh, he just sucks. He just and I couldn't help but let out a little groan every time he came. I was like, mm. Just be glad that you don't see the barrel sequence, which is in the second one. Yeah, I will not be watching that movie. He, if he has heavily. anything to do with it. He features heavily in that sequence. Well, then I will. Just it, to be honest, he features though. heavily in every sequence, given the size of him. But yes, he's. Um, hey, 
idea. Yeah. Uh, you, any bomber thoughts while we're here? Well, he sucks. Yeah, I he's agree. an interesting yeah. character, and by interesting, I mean you mean he sucks. Yeah. He was there in the background, and Tolkien let him die a painful death of overeating eventually. So. Mm. So he was <sighs> he was as useless in the in the books. He was more useless in the books. Wow. How is that even possible? How could he be more useless? <laughs> he literally slows them down in Mirkwood. I mean he, he kinda already was slowing them down. He was always the last one, like kind of Oh, he runs trun- very fast. Trundling along one. at the end, like <laughs> giving, his, giving his dwarf asthma attack. Mm. So Bomber, not a fan. Um Bomber, more like Gnome, but <laughs> I can't do them. He can't made you feel somber. There we go. That's better. Thank you. That's you okay. shouldn't even try. Why are there so many dwarves, Sarah? From... Yeah. What's I the mean, deal? I mean, obviously they were hoping to like have a small platoon, a small army to go and try and take back Erebor, but it, it just seems as though that's sort of an untenable amount of characters for what is essentially a short children's novel. Well, actually, it was based off um, some old sagas back in the day, which um, Tolkien was... He was a philologist, so he was all about oral traditions. Um, Didn't quite like writing things down. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing lots of weird eye contact right now (laughs) as I give my lecture. I I just looked at Patrick shortly after you said oral traditions. I don't know what you could possibly be. I don't get it. I don't don't know what. Please go on. I I just just had something caught in my throat. Yeah. It's all good. You said door with your eyes. Yeah. No, but um, actually back in the day when he was first writing, or he was telling this story to his kids um, and his four-year-old son at the time, Christopher, um, was getting heavily into it and Tolkien was like, oh, you know, there's these doors and this one is green. And his kid was like, actually, last time he told this story, it was yellow. So like, get your facts straight. And Tolkien's like, oh, it's right that boy. I'd better write it down. What an obnoxious little kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the guy who went on to edit every single thing that we've had since Tolkien died. Right. Yeah. 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 So... He's a good editor because he, he keeps an eye on these things. But back to the dwarves. Um, it was based off um, several stories which had like way more characters. He narrowed it down to 13 so he could play with the whole, oh, 13's an unlucky number. Let's have a 14th member thing. And named them all after those characters. Cool. Oh, did that even come up in the movie? Because I don't remember that being why they had to get Bilbo. Uh, no, um, but it is in the book. It's okay, a very right. important plot point I in the book. I just thought I totally missed something. <laughs> so I thought they needed him because he's he's stealthy and yeah. he can, like, I mean, steal they things. They also need him for that. But, I mean, you okay. know, it's more the unlucky thing. It surprises me that there is stuff they left out from the book, considering they've, they've um, took borrow Bilbo's quote himself, uh, spread very thin, like butter over too much bread, um, <laughs> the contents of this book. Um, but there you go. And they managed to skip a chapter. Anything interesting happened in that chapter? The hangout with eagles, it's great. Oh, okay. That would have been nice to see, but at the same time, I was pretty glad when the I film was pretty ready for. I <laughs> yeah. was pretty ready for it to end. If yeah. they just sat yeah. down side chatting with some eagles, I'd be like, ooh, guys. Just, yeah. just, <laughs> look bomb, at, look at just the time. bomber talking to a giant bird. Oh, would have been two minutes of, can I eat you? <laughs> ah! I'm surprised that eagle just didn't fall out of the sky when bomber landed on his back. He probably had to have a whole eagle to himself. Mm, he probably would as well afterwards. <laughs> Just eat the whole thing. Ah, uh, Bumba. He's my favourite. Uh, anyway, uh, so they start the adventure. They manage to convince Bilbo to come along despite being terrible house guests because Bilbo realises that he's having a midlife crisis. They did clean up, though. I'll give him that. Yeah. They did clean up and the house was spotless when he yeah. woke up. In they the didn't morning, break so. any dishes. No. So, you know, they, they just... just teased him about it. Yeah. Which yeah. was also a bit of a dick move, let's mm. be honest. Like, he was trying to say, hey, don't, can you treat my possessions with respect? Mm. 
And they didn't. They didn't break any. That's not the point. Yeah. Uh, and then we are introduced to the character of Radagast, uh, as portrayed by Sylvester McCoy, former uh, Doctor in Doctor Who. Um, Radagast the Brown, can we give some context for him as a character within the Tolkien world, Sarah? He's a totally rad character within mm. the Tolkien world. Uh, he's actually not in The Hobbit. Mm. Um, he is in Unfinished Tales, and a lot of stuff from Unfinished Tales is used in the Hobbit films, except they can't really refer to it, so they sort of... For legal reasons. For legal reasons, right. yeah, because they don't have the rights. Um, but he's also referred to in the appendices mm. of the fellow of um, Lord of the Rings and in Fellowship of the Ring. So is that how they were able to actually get the character of Radagast? Because he's, yeah. in, he's in the film, he's in the books that they have the rights yeah, to. Yeah, he's named in them, therefore right. he exists. Okay. Um, and yeah, played by uh, Sylvester McCoy, essentially as kind of like a... A hippie covered in bird poo. Uh, he did have a big load of bird poo down the side of his face. Yeah. That's what I'm, it looked like. I mean, I loved the costume. I mean, the costumes in this were just generally really good. Yeah, but Radagast's but, in particular, his costume and makeup was just wonderful. Um, just really dirty, scummy looking man. Yeah, with they, a, it, yeah he did look awesome. Mm, and he had that rad, rad, uh, Radagast. Um, <laughs> Bunny, bunny, tr- the uh, rabbit sled, rabbit yeah. sled, yeah, bunny sled. Yeah, now, I, will, I will admit, the first time I watched that in the cinema, and I know it's high fantasy, but I did look at that and go, Come on, <laughs> I did look at that and go, That seems kind of silly, but looking at it on reflection, it's it's fine. It's one of those yeah, things where it's cool. like, It's not the worst thing they did. Now, what is the worst thing they did? I'm Bomba. curious. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, how to choose. Mm. I mean, most of the worst things they did are in the other films. Okay, that's okay so. then. Uh, but yeah, they meet Radagast. Radagast says, um, yeah, some creepy spiders turned up at my house, and that means that there's evil. Also, I might have accidentally just discovered the ring wraiths are still a thing. Um, Gandalf, can you help? And so um, that becomes part of the adventure, and uh, they do a bit more walking. Bomber's still an idiot. And then there's some trolls. Yeah. Um, and the trolls were played by some of the dwarves that didn't have as many lines. Yes, they were. Yeah, which I thought was a nice touch. Getting to, oh, okay. Yeah, yes. getting some of the other actors to play those dwarves, which yeah. was which was pretty cool. Uh, sorry, to play those trolls. Um, like okay. they voiced them. Yeah. Or did they mocap them and everything? I think they mocap them as well. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. All right, good for them. Yeah. yeah. I quite like the, the troll. I quite like that scene. I yeah, it was it, fun. The it trolls was were fun. And, and it was it them. was that thing where um, the Hobbit. I mean, the whole the whole thing with the Hobbit is it is for a younger audience than the Lord of the Rings. The, yeah. And. Yeah. I think the trolls perfectly encapsulate that, where they're threatening and they're big and they're scary, but they do sneezing jokes and yeah. uh, and they've got that comical accent, yeah, you know, like that sort of the accent you seem to use in like sort of pop culture when you want someone who's sort of menacing but mm. also kind of bumbling, kind of a know. bit like this, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, kind of thing. you could be a troll. Yeah. Aww. Aww. Thanks, um, yeah, and they, they that was just a really well put together sequence and. I think it's probably one of the most well-known sequences from the original source text as mm. well. I mean, they refer to it in The Fellowship. There's the scene where Ian Holm is, um, as Bilbo, is telling the story to all the little Hobbit kids. Well, also, they visit the um, Trollshaw um, in Fellowship. Oh, uh, oh, I think it's in the extended edition. Ah, right. Um, when Frodo has been stabbed and they are trying to find some Athelos. Mm. And um, there's a little bit of it in the normal normal version, theatrical version, but mm. it's more extended in the extended version. Right. Like, look, okay. Frodo, Mr. Bilbo's trolls. Hmm. But yeah, I, w- the thing that really struck me from this film, though, is we kind of see, like, 
we kind of see where Gandalf learns all of the tricks he uses in the Fellowship because he does the sunlight at the start of the fifth day thing to trick the trolls, which he also later uses to his advantage at the Battle of Helm's Deep. We see him whisper to a butterfly to get an eagle. It's a moth. Like, get it right. Spacist. Okay. It's a very colourful b- moth. <laughs> I case. didn't know it was a moth. It was definitely mm. a moth. It, yeah. it was um, a very bright moth. I'm with you on that one, Steve. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, it was interesting. Bruce does all those goblins. <laughs> he does. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I did enjoy that. Um, and yeah, they they get past the trolls. They save all the horses, which we don't actually really see again. Oh yeah, the film. ponies run away. Yeah, they run away. Like so. they literally spend this entire sequence saving the ponies, and then they run. Didn't away. even think about it. You're totally right. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking through. Where those bit. ponies go, <laughs> guys? Where the ponies go? <laughs> What to device. Well, they may have lost the ponies, but they got some sweet swords. They got, they, they got, did get go, some cool swords. They got the Goblin Slayer, Gandalf got his cool sword, and we found Sting. The, what uh, was he doing there? I didn't see Sting. Oh, he was, he was uh, doing naked Bikram yoga in the, oh. in the back, <laughs> and he was just kind of going, hey guys. He was just having some tantric sex. It's yeah. actually Peter Jackson in the background, you know. Yeah. He gave him, yeah, the, he gave uh, Bilbo the sword and goes, you don't have to turn on the blue light. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you very much. Well done. Um, so Sting's the name of uh, the, little, the little sword. Yeah. yeah. The light, the, the, the not lightsaber. The, the little, yeah. the Although you, you, when you did point out it was very lightsaberish, I couldn't unsee that for the rest of the film. Um, Especially and, whenever he was on the high ground. Like, yeah. yeah. I have the high ground. <laughs> Our favorite quote. Mm. Oh, really? We quote that to each other That's all the time. It's a great line. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, high ground or not, they get some cool weapons, and then Gandalf tricks uh, the dwarves into going to Rivendell with a sort of uh, big chase sequence where they hide in a hole, and then some elves turn up to save them from some orcs. Very Benny Hill. Yeah, a little bit Benny Hill, yeah. Um, and then they end up in Rivendell. Thorin Oakenshield, being a, kind of like an elf racist, is kind of like, I don't want to talk yeah. to them. And then, um, so I'll... does the elf racism stem back all the way to when uh, Moose Man? Way Just, further. Oh, really? Way mm. further. Back in the day in the Silmarillion. Um, they you know were all... I'm going to take your word for it. So. <laughs> Again, can you do this in 30 seconds? I can do this in 30 seconds. Okay, go on. They were looking for okay. the Silmarils. They were really cool. Everyone wanted these gems. They were great. One of them ended up with the elves and the dwarves. Like, no, we want it. So they went and slaughtered the elves and they've hated each other ever since. Yeah, right. it was sub 30 seconds again. Well done. Yeah. Um, so they're in Rivendell. They're terrible guests again. They break the furniture. Bomber breaks a table. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so funny. Oh, he's the best. Um, oh, and we have, we have a, um, we essentially have a reunion scene with some of our favorite uh, actors that were in the original trilogy. We have Kate Blanchett turning back up as Gladrill. And having obviously not aged a day because she's Kate Blanchett and she's, she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's just wonderful. The uh, similarly amazing, um, although much less be- uh, good-looking, uh, Christopher <laughs> Lee. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christopher Lee. Yeah, but he's he's there and very clearly there and not uh, being filmed in a studio in London because he was see, too. It's old funny because I w- I didn't know that, but mm. then when you said that that's what was going on, it's like you couldn't not see it. Yeah, just because he wasn't. In any shots. He, wa- he just mm. wasn't there. You could see he wasn't... Mm. Even though it was an acting thing to kind of perhaps not have him look at Hugo Weaving now and then, but just... Oh, you, can just you can just tell. You can yeah. just tell that he's not able to hear what's being said to him. He's just... Yeah, it was but, really interesting. But if you were going to get any character and have it make sense, Saruman makes sense. Well, that's the thing. I, that's why I, it, yeah. I don't think I would have noticed unless... Yeah. Unless I... Unless, if, unless you if said... If I hadn't said yeah, anything. If you hadn't yeah. said... Um, yeah. But then when you did say it, it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course I can see that now. But yeah. um, 
Yeah, I think it would have worked perfectly fine without knowing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it did for me. Did did you notice it first time round, Sarah, watching the film, that uh, Christopher Lee was obviously not in the same studio as the rest of them? Yeah, I mean, I already knew it um, oh. because of the behind-the-scenes videos, which I watched right. all the time. However, yeah, I did know it was noticeable as well because looking at it, you've got shot of Christopher Lee, shot of everyone else. Mm. So it's always him on his own with like people sort of in the background. You can see their hair. Or like long panning shots where like his character is sat behind a pillar so you can only see the other three walking around. But it's Christopher Lee going, and this is a bad idea. I don't think we should be doing this. <laughs> I'm secretly evil. <laughs> <laughs> but not that secretly. <laughs> my beard my is... black beard and <laughs> it's, lank it's hair. slowly turning into a more evil beard. But I mean, this was the real heavy hitters of acting say in this yeah, one yeah. you've got you've got yeah this was a scene where hugo weaving was the worst actor i you know, know and that's I know. And kind of incredible to say yeah, that yeah because that was and, and yeah. i mean having said that i was still phasing in and out a bit for this scene because it was very just exposition 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 but yeah. it is very cool to see those four actors are mm. on screen together yeah and and those four characters as well because these are kind of a big deal within the Middle Earth Damn world. That's right. They are the council. This mm. is the white council who never gets to be seen together in the books. Mm. And, you know, here they are together in the film, so hooray. Mm. Talking about Radagast having too many mushrooms. <laughs> well, you know, it's a serious business. <laughs> um, so the dwarves uh, depart Rivendell without so much as a buy-you-leave. Uh, they almost get killed. Again. No note. Yep. They almost, rude, rude dwarves. They almost get killed by some stone giants. I bet it was Bomber's idea. <laughs> Probably ate them out of house names. I need more food. Yeah, we've eaten. Let's go. Yeah. So the stone giants. Mm -hmm. um, You said as we were watching it, Sarah, that um, they are based on one paragraph within the book. It's a tiny paragraph. Like Mm. it's literally like, oh, there's thunder. It's a thunder battle. Oh god, the giants are throwing things. Let's like not be in the way. That's it. Was that literally just thrown in for let's have some action? Yeah. Okay. You can see that. Yeah. You can totally see that. I mean, like again, it, it looked cool. None of the effects didn't work. That's not a good Didn't sentence. Didn't not work. That's a, <laughs> ter- that's a terrible sentence. Yeah. All of the effects worked really well. Everything yeah. looked great, but you can totally see that that scene was just shoehorned in there. Also, I have, a have slight, a lot. My, my slight issue with it is it's trying to be like, oh, they're in danger. One of them might die. And you've got Thorin calling out for one of his nephews, but he's calling for the wrong nephew. I was saying Philly instead of Killy. Or? He's saying Killy instead of Philly. See, even Killy I Killy is totally I mean, his favourite. I'd, I'd let that, I, I'd, yeah. I'd give him a pass on that I, one. I would not let the I mean, pass. <laughs> He's had a hard life, you know. Mm. It's, it's hard. Which, Some... which hot dwarf is it? Oh god, one yeah. of them's gonna die. Yeah, it would have been rude if he shouted out the hot one. No, <laughs> the one everyone actually cares about for the remaining films. It's Poldark. What? Mm. Um, oh, it is Poldark as yeah. well. Didn't even click. Did not even click. Um, speaking of clicking, there was a mechanism which uh, opened a trap door uh, while the go- uh, the goblins, while the dwarves were having a sleep, and dropped them into the Misty Mountain Goblin uh, Cave where. They kind of get dragged off to a Thunderdome-looking creation and meet yeah. Barry Humphreys, which was... Yeah. Um, As you do. Yeah. It, that was a very um, interesting sequence. It was cool. It, it looked... Did, yeah, yeah, it looked yeah. Good. I thought that was cool. Uh, what did you think of Barry Humphreys' uh, Goblin King? I liked him. I thought... I mean, I I, rec- I I remember sitting there with you, and I'm like, well, hang on, who, whose voice is that? Because it's just like, that's that's someone's voice. And I picked up my phone to look it up, and you went, Barry Humphreys. like, oh, yes, of course it is. I can hear that now. Yeah. Um no, I really liked the Goblin King. I thought it was fun. Hmm. Again, going back to the sort of the trolls and the more fun characters, the more the gross and, you know, and that, menacing. That, that horrible throat That thing. horrible throat sack. Yeah. 
throat th- throat scrot that he had. Yeah, you, well, I believe. Yeah, because you said it kind of looked like a scrotum, and then you turned it into the throatum, which yeah, I think th- is just throatum. A, yeah, it's a wonderful name. I'm for, pretty certain on the film set they referred to it as the scrotum. So mm. you know, no, they didn't think of it, they didn't think of throatum though. Mm. Yeah. Well, so they, you know, I they, thought I yeah. thought uh, Barry Hunt. I mean, his performance was great, but no, I thought the Goblin King was cool. I, th- I loved that whole sequence. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. And I did, oh, sorry, you're probably going to get to it, yeah. but I, I won't go too far into it if we get to it. But I did really love the bit in that cave with Bilbo and Gollum. That's exactly mm. where we're heading next, because yeah. uh, uh, Bilbo gets separated from the group. He ends up uh, deep in the, the Misty Mountains, uh, and he comes across a skinny adult creature in in the caves it is of course Gollum uh, and we have essentially a 10 minute pin to play involving riddles yeah. and, mm. um, and that's how it was written mm. and it was I, I agree I think it is the standout sequence totally. of this film it, it, yeah in terms of non-action scenes it's by, was by far and away my favourite scene. Mm. Just, I would have preferred more of that. One of the one action. of the few scenes I didn't have any jokes to make during or any smart ass, smart We ass watched comments. it pretty silently because yeah. it was great. I mean, you know, and yeah, there's not much more to say to it. Well written, um, superbly acted, superbly mm. acted, and just such a wonderful sense of tension Mm. Mm. especially since it was the first thing that they filmed in the entire series Mm. because um andy circus came on as second unit director for the rest of the filming so So they need to get his stuff out of the way so you can go on and do more things Mm. yeah yeah and uh yeah the 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 thing that really stood out for me watching this was how well they did the motion capture in the first film though Mm. the fact that this technology is a good 10 12 years on from the the Fellowship film, I guess, to this film coming out. Well, he wasn't really in Fellowship. He was a pair of eyes and hands Okay, in the I suppose. But, okay, in The Two Towers, I guess. You you get full-blown Gollum, and that's, what, 2002? Yeah. And then you get to this, which is 2011, yeah, this first 11, one. So it, 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 call it a decade. No, 12. It was yeah, 12. So, yeah, 12. a solid decade. And it didn't look as though there was a massive, like, ah, graphics upgrade. You know, it wasn't like mm. jumping from Witcher 2 to Witcher 3. Uh, yeah, 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 it wasn't something like that. It was... He still looked like the Gollum slash Smeagol that we remember from yeah. the other films. And Andy Serkis is really, really good at Did playing Gollum. Did they kind of de-age him a little bit? Because he's set 60-odd years before. He's hundreds of years old anyway. So it didn't really so matter. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Oh, it, was just, oh, it was just something that just occurred to me because I don't remember. But. They may have done some very small... He had four things. hairs instead of three. Yeah, we met. Yeah, oh, that's th- what it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, like when Homer Simpson is like two years younger, and yeah, he's got and the he extra like, hair. Yeah, as, as I think they just hairs, did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you said that they, this was written as a theatre piece. Yeah, it was originally? pretty much um, Fran Walsh and Phili- Philippa Boyens, who were the screenwriters. They literally wrote it as though it was a theatre piece rather than for film because Great. it just seemed to work that way mm. a lot better. I, and I can when you said that it's like it makes total sense, but also I could just see it working so well on stage yeah. as well. Like it was just. If only we could remember what the stage version was like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which we both saw. It's true. We both we were talking before mm. the movie started. So Sarah and I both saw a stage version of The Hobbit when we were kids, not together. Well, <laughs> many years before we knew each other. Well, we met each other not that long after. Yeah, I, probably not. Considering I was twelve when we met. Yeah, yeah. And I would have been about five or six. Yeah, when, so I wouldn't have been yeah. that much. I mean, I'm. A fair bit older than you, but not that much older. So yeah, I we don't, we both saw the same production, and I don't really remember much about it at all. There was this great scene in the mountains. That's pretty much yeah. Lord of the Rings <laughs> and the Hobbit in a nutshell. So <laughs> yeah. there's well, a great yeah. scene in the mountains. It's great, um, memorable. So obviously we have the goblin sequence. We had a really good 
battle fight sequence getting out of those goblin caves gandalf saves the day obviously uh, indiana he... jones saves the day yeah yeah it was, yeah, a, it was with the boulder yeah mm. that was raiders quite nicely done it. raiders yeah, it. the raiders Raiders of the Lost Orc. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, they escape. Um, Slices the Goblin King's belly open. Yep. Uh, and, and, he's, re- and he's throat him. Yeah. And the really great ad lib line of, oh, that'll do it, <laughs> <laughs> um, was kept in because it made Peter Jackson laugh. So it was an ad lib. Yeah, it? it was an ad lib that they great. did in the studio. Yeah. And it's like, yes, that that's why you get Barry Humphreys to play yep. the Goblin King. Um, and then... Yeah, we have the sequence in the trees with the, uh, the, 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 is it wargs or rogs? Wargs. So W-R-A-R-G. W-A-R-G. Yeah, so the wargs. Um, oh, it's just like everyone's like, oh, um, smog, and we're like, oh, but when we were kids, we read the smog. Okay, excellent. So, so anyway, the, um, the big ass wolves. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> uh, chase them up the, the tree. And... Tiger wolves. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good point. They were very. Well, I thought. I thought when I first when we first saw them much earlier in the film, I thought they were meant to be um, saber toothed tigers. They could it, be thylacines. They did have a little bit of that. Oh about yeah, them. yeah, they're like big fantasy thylacines. Mm, yeah. A yeah. lot of them were dead by the end. So yeah, very, <laughs> very thylacines. That's why they're extinct. Um, we we have that sequence. We see Thorin Oak and Shield facing up with um, Azog, the the defiler, the defiler who himself was defiled previously uh, <laughs> by losing his hand. Um, they have a fight sequence which is clearly setting up for the next two films uh with having uh, azog running around just kind of being a very pasty orc essentially and Mm. screaming a bit um i like that the pale orc is the big bad it's like yeah that's pretty cool Mm. you know making is that a big change well no because you know a lot of especially fantasy films you know it's like oh light the the pale white thing is the The hero Yeah, yeah 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 no it was it was i mean it was a nice touch um and then they get rescued by some eagles because Gandalf talks sexy t- to, a, to a butterfly slash moth. It was moth. really sexy. It was a very sensual <laughs> moth cupping. Yeah. I mean, kind I- of plucked this moth out of a tree and just sort of sensually cupped it in his mm. hand and was like, hey, moth, mm. why don't why are you and me... You get some eagles, moth. And then Do you, you want to be left alone with your microphone? <laughs> and the thing that... Um, you left alone with my moth. The thing that... This, this is a slightly naughty performance for me and McKellen in parts like he turns up at Bilbo's door and just says do you want to go on an adventure you know it's like it's you dirty old creep get out of here and then um, him and Galadriel you know nice yeah. sexual tension going on there yeah well that's been building for thousands of years yeah. so you know that's that's understandable I also expect like there was a moment in right at the beginning in um Bilbo's house hole bag end bag end hobbit hole hobbit hole um where um I forgot. I was going to call him Dumbledore for a second. <laughs> Where Gandalf mm. um, was clearly just off his tits for mm. just a little bit and trying to hold it together. I mm. quite like that little touch. He's sort of like, sort of clambering his way around. He's like, hey, good party. Right? <laughs> mm. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was a fun performance for me and McKellen. Which is interesting because that was the performance he hated doing the most. Okay. Because this was early on in the shoot when they were very much, he was on his own because they had to do a lot of the um, the changing of scale. So you've got uh, the dwarves yeah. and the hobbit off on one set and Gandalf off on his own and they're like green screening it in. Oh, and they kind of, just, like, kind of Photoshop them together, yeah. overlay them together. Oh. So he got really upset because it was his first day of filming and it was very different to how it was on Rings. Mm. And so he actually um, had a bit of an outburst when he didn't realize his mic was still on um, about how you know this isn't what he signed up for. 
Um, and so they all sort of made sure to really look after him after that and gave him a very nice tent full of elvish things to languish in throughout the rest of the film shoot. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so that sort of covers it for the film. Um, before we get on to sort of our final thoughts and scores, I do have a little bit of trivia from the IMDb Great. trivia troll. Or um, I could have just asked you for most of these, I guess, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, you can um, be our fact checker. Well, <laughs> I mean, you have already covered off so few of the things I wanted to talk yeah. about. Uh, one of the things I didn't get onto was alternate casting for Bilbo Baggins. Now, mm. we know Martin Freeman was destined to play this role. Like, they actually delayed production a bit. Well, to... he pretty much auditioned for it when yeah. he did, um, God, what was it? Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. yeah. Like, pretty much pre-Bilbo. Right. Yeah. Space Bilbo. Woo. Yeah. Um, so, Bilbo. I just want to know, if we couldn't have Martin Freeman, which of the following would you have wanted? Daniel Radcliffe. Ew. No. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Do it! I can see that, though. I can see that working, if I'm being honest. He'd be different. He'd be really intense. Very Bilbo, different. James McAvoy? Okay. No, probably, I can see that. That's probably that. the closest. I can yeah. see that. Toby Maguire? Mm, no. Nah. The problem is, is in the third one, he'd be dancing in, like, a black suit. And... <laughs> It'd be almost <laughs> worth it, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, not wonderful. Uh, the first roar we hear from Smaug um, in that first scene is actually a soundbite of the special effects director's uh, daughter roaring. She was seven years old at the time <laughs> and they manipulated it to make it sound like a dragon. Oh, that's cute. That's which adorable. Is, yeah, which is really cool. Um, obviously, Sir Christopher Lee was back in the film yes. um, and when Peter Jackson uh, called him to invite him um, to the premiere of the film, uh, Lee responded intimidatingly according to this, am I still in the movie? <laughs> Fair. I mean, like, they had that comment. Well, that's why I wanted to bring that up, because obviously uh, he played Saruman in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but they had cut his character Saruman from the third film, Return of the King. Oh, I don't remember that. He was supposed to be in a sequence at the start of the film where we see Saruman's demise. Spoilers. Um, what? He dies? Yeah, I know. Didn't know that. Um, and, yeah, when they ended up doing the final cut, they cut that sequence, and Christopher Lee was understandably super annoyed because yeah. he's a massive Tolkien fan. Okay, I'm just going to I'm going to put up I'm going to put up my shields for a second. Your oaken shield. I'm going to put up my oaken shields. <laughs> so Saruman is not the big eye. No. no, but he works closely with the big okay. eye. They're bros for a while. Yeah. Sort of. They the, try to betray each other. The big eye is Sauron. Okay. Yeah. Right, that's also known as confused. the Necromancer. Mm. Oh, that was the shadowy thing yeah. in the movie we just watched. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's the, okay. the connection will be made in the next couple of films. Uh, you can, yeah, cool. you can you can lower your oaken shield. It's fine. All right, good. <laughs> it's, uh, it's okay. And it, to be honest, I, I, I remember when we watched these films, uh, my mum had a big issue like trying to remember who everyone's names were. Uh, like, she always referred tough to... tough names. She always knew Bilbo as Billy. Uh, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> kind of Billy thing. Billy Boyd, that Pippin. Yeah, uh, but a lot of the others were um, a bit... She just went, oh, that's Sean Bean. That's John Rhys-Davis. That, that yeah. was the only way she could do it. I mean, that's kind of what I've been doing this year. <laughs> Although, I think that may have been good training for then when Game of Thrones came along, when you've got a lot of like this is Bran, That's this Sean is Bean. Bron, this is Brune. You know, <laughs> it's really interesting because I'm pretty good with the names on Game of Thrones, but this movie just they weren't mm. sticking. Maybe it's because I've had you've seven, had seven more time years with Game of Thrones, <laughs> and yes. also with the dwarves. Like considering it's three films, they only focus on like five of the yeah, dwarves, true. and only and, two yeah. of them in this film. Some of them have rhyming names like Ori and Nori and Cory or whoever they have. <laughs> Dory, yeah, yeah Dory. <laughs> Got to find him. Yeah. <laughs> 
Dwalin used two large battle axes in combat. Graham McTavish suggested to Peter Jackson that the axes be named after Emily Bronte's dogs. Yes, he did. Uh, Gra- uh, Grasper and Keeper, and so they are. Um, those names are on those axes. Yeah, they carved in dwarvish. In dwarven ruins, which cool. is just really, really funny. <laughs> I just really <laughs> like that. Um, and Richard Armitage, his first experience of acting on stage was playing an elf in a theatrical version of The Hobbit. That's right. Oh. It may have been the one you guys were watching. (laughs) Maybe. Traitor. Was it in Perth in 1990-whatever? Like 95 or something? something like that. Could be. Richard, uh, let us know. Send us an email if you'd like. Um, And apparently, according to this, uh, Viggo Mortensen declined to reprise his role as Aragon, citing that Aragon wasn't in the book. Now, is that true? This is very true. Aragon was not... Okay, so... I I meant Viggo turning it down. Yes, it was also true that Viggo turned it down. Okay. Because that would have been another producer's doing the wrong thing. Like, I get putting Orlando Bloom in because... In, in the second one. Mirkwood, yay. He would, he's the prince of Mirkwood. I didn't see him in this one. I mean, there were a lot of blonde pretty boys, but... <laughs> yeah, there was a time I'm like, I'm sure Legolas should be there shooting things, but mm. you know. But yeah, um, Aragorn's character at this point would be about 20. So if you're going to have him, he'll be hanging around in Rivendell where he has been adopted by Elrond. Okay. And then marries Elrond's daughter. Bit weird. Mm, who right. is his many times removed great aunt but yeah eh, Game of Thrones has kind of sensitised yeah, us yeah, to that desensitised to that yeah. uh, funny uh, trivia piece about Aragon for me okay. is once when I was in high school instead of putting Argon as the answer to a chemistry test I wrote Aragon <laughs> without thinking did you get it right? I, uh, no I did not get it right oh, that's a shame <laughs> I did give him points for, for effort yeah mm. I, I didn't do it but the thing is I didn't do it on purpose <laughs> That's understandable. Um, so this movie was the first feature film to be shot and projected at 48 frames per second. Yes. Um, uh, twice as fast as the usual 24 frames per second standard. The intention was to provide the film a smoother, more realistic motion with reduced strobing, uh, which is particularly beneficial to when you're watching uh, in 3D. helps synchronise the image to the eyes. Um Obviously, at the time, this caused a lot of issues. A lot of cinemas didn't have the appropriate projectors that could actually display right. um, such high-fidelity images. Um, but watching it a few years on from its release, five years on, it's tricky. Like Because, I mean, clearly it wasn't unwatchable. In fact, no. we've, we've already said it looked very pretty. But was it maybe distracting that it looked... I think the only time for me it was really distracting were those long sweeping shots, those sort of those big landscape shots where, um, you know, they're they're all climbing down a mountain off in the distance and the camera's sort of sweeping across the countryside. That's when I noticed things seem to be moving faster than what I'm used to in a a picture. Mm. Um, But other than that, I didn't really notice it that much. It didn't, didn't worry me. Yeah, if I'm honest, I've never seen the issue. I remember back in the day, people complaining, oh, it gives me headaches because I'm not used to seeing things at this frame rate. And yeah. I'm like, you see it at this frame rate all the time. This is how we see, this is more close to what we see yeah. naturally. And I think if I'm, if I'm being honest, if I didn't know it, that mm. it was in there, I probably wouldn't have yeah. thought twice about it. Mm. So it's not as big a deal as everyone was making it out to be five years ago. But mm. why did you notice it? Or I just remember when this film came out, a lot of discussion around the fact that it was yeah. it was shot very differently from any other film because of this uh, 48 frame per second uh, thing and also the the way they shot it for 3D action um, mm. and I did watch one of them in 3D I can't remember if it was this one or the second one um, and I think it actually did help the 3D like compared to other films around the time like the 
the Harry Potter films that were the, the last couple the where they did the 3D. Yeah, because mm. that's that one very specific shot in Bathilda Bagshot's house where the uh, snake, uh, mm. Nagini, jumps out at the screen okay. in a very, it's a 3D uh, shot. Like this is designed to be a 3D shot. And when you watch scare. it, Yeah, and when you watch it in 2D, it looks kind of daft. Um, so, mm. but, but I don't really recall that with these Hobbit films, the, the one I saw in 3D. I remember thinking that actually kind of works. Um, and I'm not a big fan of 3D in film in general. Me either. Mm. Can't, I, I actually, I like there's it. no movie I've seen where I've gone, that was better in 3D. The only film I did see that I felt like it worked, I saw the recent Jungle Book remake. Oh, yes. Where they played with the depth of oh, the yeah. jungle. And that, that was really nice. Mm. But I don't think it added much more than, oh, that's neat. Yeah. You the know, the yeah. only film I think I've seen which was helped by having the 3D, and I think the reason it was is because it was an animation, was the fourth Shrek film. Um, I've never actually seen it. No, me either. I saw it in a 3D screening, um, and I can't even remember why I was there, because I was a grown adult watching a fourth Shrek film. (laughs) Um, But it was... I remember at one point, there's a bit where Shrek is swinging on a chandelier. We'll get back to The Hobbit in a sec. Um, (laughs) And as the chandelier swings up towards where the camera would be positioned, you notice it's swinging out slightly into the into the cinema i guess right and i remembered i was watching it in 3d but it had been really seamlessly well used for pretty much everything else um but generally as a rule 3d is not something i'm a big fan of no Mm. but it did work okay in this so i think they were justified in giving it a go at the very least yeah i saw it in both and both times i was like yeah that's a good film Mm. so uh just before we uh, finish, uh, obviously Guillermo del Toro was uh, the original director on the thing. Uh, a couple of actors he wanted. Um, for Thorin, he wanted Brian Blessed. Cool. I mean, I get it. Sarah looks mad, but I think that's cool. <laughs> like, I'm a huge Richard Armitage fan, so like, now that he's done it, because he was mm. such a to- he's such a Tolkien nerd himself, mm. so I'm like, you just put so much into this, so much thought. But can you imagine? Azog's alive! <laughs> yes. It would be wonderful. Yes, I can. And yes. it's actually closer to the age of the character. I mean, you know, mm. he's over 100 years old, so that's mm. slightly insulting. Yeah. But, um, you know, he is an older character than he's mm. portrayed in these films. I'm just, I remember reading, I just reading that when I was doing the research for this and going, oh, that would have been wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> would really and he would have actually had a long beard because mm. Durin spoke, his, um, Thorin's family are called the long beards and yeah. they're supposed to have super long beards, but um, mm. he didn't in this. Well, it was partly because they wanted to see more of Richard Armitage's face. Well, who wouldn't? Exactly. That's why um, Killy is the only one that has a natural beard because he's the only one not wearing any prosthetics because he's he's so handsome. Which one was he? He's the hot dwarf. The hot dwarf. The, the young, dark hot dwarf. The dark, the, the darker ones, yeah. not, not the blonde one. No, no, yeah. that's his brother. Okay, the other hot dog. I mean, I, I mean, they're both very, they're both very good-looking men, but I wasn't sure which one was the hot one. Mm. I was like, oh, they both, they're both pretty handsome dudes. Yeah. So mm. they're called the hot dwarves. The hot dwarves. Okay, yeah. but, but the one that the is hot hotter. Dwarf. Yeah. Okay, right. And the final bit of info I want to throw in: Radagast uh, allows animals to hide in various parts of his robes. Uh, while a friendship with the animals is consistent with the books, um, it, it could possibly also be a nod to the fact that an early stage act of Sylvester McCoy's was that he used to stuff ferrets down his trousers. Okay. Does not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I really like the fact that he ended up playing Radagast, friend of the animals. So yeah. there you go. You know, if you know what I'm saying. We're all <laughs> yes. friends of the animals in this film. Mm. Especially Gandalf. So let's score the film. Uh, overall, Patrick, yep. did you enjoy The Hobbit? Yes. Overall, I did. Mm. Yep. 
good. I went into it thinking, oh, I'm probably not going to like this very much. It's going to be boring mm. and, you know, um, all that stuff. But general, overall, I did. I enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. Uh, what score would you give it out of 10? Um, well, I need to take at least two points off for bomb- Bomber. <laughs> Um, so and how probably, many bombers out of ten? Yeah, and I'll probably dock another one just because it was very long. Mm. I'll give it a seven. Seven? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. that's a fair score. Sarah, what would you give The Hobbit out of ten? Well, out of ten magic rings. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I feel like I should give it one of the actual ring numbers, but I'm going to be cheeky and not do that because I'm going to give it an eight out of ten because I quite like it. Mm. Um, as an adaptation, it's pretty good. Um, there's a few things, few issues I have with it, but I have more issues in the later ones. So yeah, it's still pretty decent to me. Nice um, quotations from the book going on. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, it's a good, fun film. It's definitely one that was aimed at a younger audience. I remember when it first yeah. came out, a lot of people going, "Oh, it's not as good as Lord of the Rings. It seems like stupid and kiddie." That's that's because it's aimed at children. The Hobbit is a book for children. The Lord of the Rings is a book for older readers. Um, it has flaws it's way too long mm. um, See, it's funny so it's a kids film because 2045 or something like mm. that's a long time to get a kid to sit still yeah it's it's easily a, like 45 minutes too long mm. and i'm this sure the short version yes Even so. <laughs> we know <laughs> to be fair i've only watched the long version once <laughs> mm. Uh, but there's lots of great things, lots of great actors uh, doing good work. It it does still feel like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I'm a big fan of that trilogy. Uh, not as big as you, Sarah. Uh, but, no one is. But, <laughs> but I am a very big fan of that trilogy, and it still feels like it is part of that world. I mean, obviously a different part of that world, because we didn't have any like giant uh, moose-riding <laughs> uh, elves knocking around. But it still... It did recapture some of what was so good about Lord of the Rings but at the same time it has a lot of flaws um but I'm gonna give it I, I'm, I think seven is probably where I'm at as well I'm gonna give it seven um table breaking sausages <laughs> out of ten um it would have been six but Bomber annoying you so much gave me so much <laughs> joy yeah, it up a point. Bomber, yeah, that might that might bump it up for me as get, well yeah it gets an additional bomber point so <laughs> there we go um all right that's all for this episode though so uh patrick and sarah thank you very much for joining me thank you steve yeah thanks for having us all right and for those of you listening at home uh we hope that you've enjoyed this uh we may revisit the other hobbit films in the future don't know but uh happy birthday to the book of the hobbit which you could probably read in less time than this first film. I you think. could, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but very happy birthday to uh, to that book. Uh, obviously, thank you, Tolkien, for, for writing it and other reasonably good stories. And um, for those of you at home, uh, thank you very much for listening. For more information, you can find us uh, on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club podcast. You can find links to this and other episodes. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can also access our patreon which is now live just go to patreon.com and search for the cinema catch-up club podcast yes oh that's nice the cinema catch-up club he's doing an ian mckellen to the moth yeah (laughs) yeah like a moth to ian mckellen's throat (laughs) you'll be drawn (laughs) to 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 our uh, to our wonderful uh, patreon offers so have a look there and enjoy uh but that is all for this week so until next time Bye-bye. Ciao.
listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.